me ask you to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. You know, we like, uh, we like resolution in our life, don't we? We like things that come out even, that it seems like, oh, okay, well, that's, that's good. Even in the little things, uh, you know, we tend to, we like movies that have an ending as opposed to being left up in the air or e even those that are, are continuing, you know, somehow it's like, oh, no. You know, they, they didn't do that. So, Connie and I are at Captain America this week, and I'm buying the ticket, uh, tickets for us, and uh, in fact, the girl said to me when I said I'd like two for Captain America at whatever time it was, and uh, she said, you know, that's 3D. And I said, what, are we too old for 3D? <laughs> and she said, well, I don't care. <laughs> and I said, okay, then I'd like the senior citizen's discount for that. <laughs> so we go in and we see Captain America, and we get to the end, and I'll just tell you, he doesn't get the girl. So I just saved you 10, 12 bucks right there. <laughs> he doesn't get the girl like you think is going to take place, and it's left up in the air. There, I promise you there is going to be a Captain America 2 through 12, I think. <laughs> but our tendency, I think it's just the way that we are wired, that we, we want things to kind of wrap up. Now, that becomes a problem when we get to things like theology and the nature of God. It becomes a problem because there are things that we can't just wrap up neatly like a Christmas present. Looks more like a present I would wrap rather than one that my wife would wrap. It's just not quite all as neat as we would necessarily like it. That's what Solomon is dealing with in this passage. We've seen this before in Ecclesiastes, but he, he is revisiting that very kind of a thing. And, and as we've gone through Ecclesiastes, we've called it life under the sun. In other words, life on this earth and tried to see what the Scripture is saying pertaining to how we get through these things. And so today, we look at this particular issue. We'll begin with verse 10. He says, Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God, because they fear before him. 
but it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. And I commend joy, for, for man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night uh, do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, even in reading that, we see the frustration, and yet we know that in the big picture, the the real big picture, there is resolution. But in the meantime, Lord, will you teach us in your word how to get through this life under the sun? and more than just survive it, but to do it in you. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Now, I don't even know how much, if that's the first time you've heard that read or read it, I don't even know how much of it you could have caught because it can can sound confusing. I have read it dozens and dozens of times. But as we read through, here's the problem. When he talks about the things that are going on, the problem is, okay, well, we can look around and we see all of these things happening. If God exists, why are they happening? And if God is good, why do we see those kinds of things go on in this life? There are mysteries. Saw a great quote this week from Winston Churchill. He seemed to have great understanding of, uh, you know, his own people, of... Americans, of the French, and even Nazi Germany. He seemed to have a good grasp of that, but when it came to the, the Russians, he was just perplexed by them. They kept doing things he, he couldn't predict. And one time, he was just out of frustration, he exclaimed, it's a riddle wrapped up in a mystery inside an enigma. <laughs> and I think sometimes... We see these things going on around us, and it's like, okay, well, 
I, I don't get it. I know, I know God exists. I believe with all my heart he's good. But then I see these, these hard things that people go through. And he begins to describe some of those hard things that he saw that we see still to this day, certainly. For instance, the undeserving winning, uh, verse 10. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity. Listen to a, a paraphrase of this. I have seen the wicked buried, and as their friends returned from the cemetery, having forgotten all the dead man's evil deeds, those men were praised in the very city where they had committed their many crimes. How odd. I had a professor at Missouri Baptist College that was teaching us about doing funerals, and he said, look, you, you know, be careful what you say about the person. And he, he told us about uh, uh, one funeral wh where the guy was a particularly a, a scoundrel, and uh, the, the preacher was up there just waxing eloquent about what a, a wonderful life that uh, he had lived and, and that kind of thing. And the widow said to one of her kids, go up there and see in that casket if that's really your daddy, you know. <laughs> well, we see that, though, don't, don't we, in terms of uh, uh, things in this life that just don't seem to uh, be weighing out. Uh, verse, verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. God doesn't usually quickly punish for sin. Sometimes he does. We all know instances in the scripture where he did. We probably all know instances where people are literally in this life paying for some or sins that they have done. But many times, he does not punish immediately for sin. We usually don't see it. He goes on in verse 12, the first part. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, there are wicked who commit crime after crime and live a long life. I heard... This week on, on the radio, pertaining to those, uh, the vicious attacks over in Norway where the shooter bomber uh, murdered 90 plus. And they said because of the way the laws are there, it, it is possible that he could get no more than 21 years in prison. I'm working on this passage and I'm saying that that's exactly what, what it's talking about. If that happened, that man would only be 53 years old when he got out of prison. Isn't that amazing? And so what it, what it does, though, is it points us to the fact that this can't be all there is. Surely not. That whatever he's going to pay in this life cannot, cannot be all. Now, that's not exactly 
winning if he has to serve 21 years, but, but certainly it's not uh, due pay for those crimes. So if God exists and is good, it, it's a mystery that not only do the wicked or the undeserving seem to win, but also, verse 14, the wrong ones seem to be receiving rewards. 14, there is a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Here's the mystery, basically, what he's talking about. There are those that deserve reward that don't seem to get it, and those that don't deserve anything good that seem to be getting all the rewards in this life. Mystery. If God is just, would that really happen? A missionary is martyred, and the murderers get away. The mafia get wealthy. Those who work hard can't make ends meet. A drunk driver is in an accident and he kills a family and he walks away unhurt. We see these over and over again. It's hard to understand. Now that's why some want to get God off the hook. Some will just say, well, there can't be a God, or if there's a God, he's not good. And then there are others that say, I know there's a God, I really believe it, and I believe he's good, so I know, I'll get him off the hook. He doesn't have anything to do with those bad things that happen, bad things from our perspective. We've dealt with this again and again in this book, but we see all throughout the scripture that God is sovereign. And so we can't just say, he's got nothing to do with these. And by the way, even if you would argue that way with the best of intentions to try to protect God, don't worry. He can stand up for himself. But we admit, it's hard to understand. He goes on, then Solomon goes on to talk about man's inability to understand God's ways. And we, we've got to get to that point. Verse 17. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. God has given us a curiosity, a desire to know, an ability to think. When we come to Christ, we don't take our brains out and set them on a shelf somewhere. That's not what it means to walk by faith. There are certain things we can know about God, but there also is mystery. And part of the mystery is why we can't comprehend what's going on. Now here's the question, how do we cope with mystery then? Several things we can see here. 
What are we going to do? How are we going to go on living kind of intention in this life, making it through this life, still trying to walk by faith, and yet admitting and understanding that there is a, a tension there as long as we're living under the sun. First of all, we need to hold on to the bigger truths that we can grasp. The last part of verse 12 says, and by the way, the rest of the book of Ecclesiastes, we're going to be getting more and more of these truths. We've, we've seen all the various frustrations of, of uh, trying to be fulfilled in various ways and how empty those are, and we're going to get more and more nuggets as we go along. But in the last part of 12, it says, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked, neither will he prolong his day like a shadow because he does not fear before God. Now, it takes faith to believe this when we observe the opposite. And that's why what we're seeing here from Solomon is it's a long-term view. In other words, we can't just look at our circumstances. I keep I keep using this phrase, we, we cannot interpret who God is by looking at our circumstances. We've got to look at our circumstances and interpret them by who God is. So it, you have to walk by faith, and yet that's the very nature of faith, being certain of what we do not see, according to Hebrews 11. Hold on to what we can know. Mark Twain, who was no great friend of Christianity, said this. Uh, he said, you know, most people are bothered by those passages in Scripture which they cannot understand. Scripture that troubles me is that which I do understand. You know, and, and that's the problem. Sometimes we act like everything's a mystery. Now, I'm talking about mystery today, but it's not all a mystery. He has revealed so much so clearly. And sometimes we dwell on that small part that we don't know, cannot grasp, and can't comprehend. And we need to, in terms of coping with it, don't let the mysteries ruin your life. Verse 15 and I commend joy, for man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. Now here, right on the heels of all this coping with mystery, Solomon says, and yet there is enjoyment in this life. Now again, in some ways, that response to mystery is a mystery in itself, isn't it? But what he's saying is we, we, we cannot spend all of our time, you know, seeing these mysteries and being brought into some kind of a depression because of those things we cannot understand. Now, is that just sticking our heads in the sand? Almost sounds like the, the playboy philosophy of hedonism. Well, we have a choice to dwell on mystery. What we don't know and can't figure out with reason, and if we do, one can become bitter 
cynical, never at peace, neurotic, in the quest of answers. So, Dale, are you saying don't ask questions? Well, of course not. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I, I told you to be like the Bereans. Do ask questions. Don't accept something just because you, you heard somebody say it. So we do ask questions. Solomon, I think, is saying, ask, but don't get stuck on them. In other words, if you're waiting to commit to Christ until every, every, every question you have can be answered to your satisfaction, you'll either never commit or the God you commit to will be pretty small. And either way, it's a loss for you. In coping with mystery, then, verse 17, rest in the fact that there's a purpose and a resolve even in mysteries. Now, we're going to go elsewhere to see this as clearly, but look what 17, it sets us up for this. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he'll not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Now, if that's the case, where do we go from there? Again, you either get discouraged or recognize what kind of a God we worship. Here's the kind of God we worship. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, it's, we, we've all seen or experienced a child trying to understand an adult, where the adult hopefully will have a better and wiser picture of things, and yet that child may, may never be able to completely understand, at least at that age, why the adult says this is the way it must be. If that's the case between someone who is 20, 30 years difference in age, how different it is between us and God, the Creator the creator and the created being. Paul says, Romans 11, Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. Whenever I teach a theology course, and many of you have gone through theology courses I've, I've taught, Whenever I teach it in the very first class, I share with the class the verse that one of my systematics theology professors shared with us. You know, I'm in seminary thinking, okay, I'm going to get all the answers and everything. The very first thing he said, I want everyone to turn to Deuteronomy 29.29. And we had to memorize that before the next class. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that they may do all the words of this law. 
there are secret things that belong to him. And that's the case in this life. There are plenty of things that are revealed to us. And yet, there are those secret things. And so that's when we go to our verse of the year as well, in terms of purpose. Romans 8, 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, that's for those in Christ Jesus, that there is purpose, that it is not a matter of an arbitrary God that doesn't care and has his hands off But whatever is going on in this life, there is indeed a purpose for. And the Father always does what's best for his children. Let me leave you with one more thing pertaining to the mystery. In terms of the undeserving winning, seeming to get rewarded. Because that's, that's bothersome, isn't it? Those that don't deserve it seem to be winning and, and rewarding. If that's still bothering you, I want you to know this. We who are in Christ are recipients of that very mystery. It's called grace. The undeserving being rewarded. And if you are bothered by by that taking place sometimes out there, you can be bothered by that and yet know we are great recipients of that wonderful gift. We who had no good thing to offer the king, who had offended the king, we who are enemies of the king in Christ Jesus are adopted into his family and become children of the king. That is a mystery you can rejoice in. Let's bow together. We have seen, Lord, verses that talk about how different you are from us, and yet you saw fit to send your one and only Son to walk among us so we could relate to you, but even more, to purchase our salvation. We thank you for that. We rejoice in you. We rejoice in the wonderful mystery of grace. And will you help us as we walk through this life and we face mysteries to trust that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.